Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. We record this live every Friday, um, 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. You can join us on the WP Tonic Facebook page if you want to watch this live. This is episode 570. We've got a small but powerful panel of wise WordPress community members. Well, a couple, a couple of them are. Uh, I'm not sure about me, but there we go. I'm going to let them introduce themselves first. The Wizard, JJ, would you like to introduce yourself? Yep, my name's John Jacoby, uh, WordPress core contributor. Uh, work at Sandhills Development largely on Sugar Calendar. And uh, our latest, coolest thing is uh, Easy Digital Downloads 3.0 is in beta, right? It'd be awesome. So uh, happy to be here, guys. Good to see you again. Oh, great. And we've got a friend of the show, Vito. Vito. How you doing? Good to be here. Uh, Vito, the founder of Atarin, uh, previously uh, WP Feedback, which is a, manage- a management platform for web design uh, agencies and freelancers. I think your Zoom's tired. I think you've been on it all day. You're breaking up a little bit. Hopefully the bandwidth will improve. Uh, um, Spencer, would you like to introduce introduce yourself? Spencer Foreman from launchblows.com. That's great. Before we go into the main stories of the week, WordPress and tech related, um, I want to mention our great main sponsor, that's Kinster. Kinster Hosting. Kinster is only a WordPress hosting provider. If you've got a membership site, a WooCommerce site for yourself or for a client, you need really good hosting. And that's what you get from Kinster Hosting. So I suggest that you go over, have a look at their plans. All their hosting is on Google Cloud. They provide the most modern development environments that you could look for at the present moment when it comes to WordPress. Great company, great support, great ethics. I'm I'm sure you're going to be happy with your website or your client's website with Kinsta. So go over, have a look at their packages. If, if you like any of them, I'm sure you're going to buy them. And if you do do that, and I suggest that you do, please tell Kinsta you heard about them on the WP Tonic Show. It helps Kinsta and it really does support the show. So on to the first story. Uh, WordPress search trends for 2020. Amazing for WooCommerce, good for plugins, but bad for themes. What did you think of this one, Spencer? You know what I love? I love whenever we get these posts that are factually based. And although the graphs of, you know, somebody like the SEO guy uh, are, are wonderful here, it's more like just showing the search results and the actual, you know, data. So it's nice because intuitively I felt this way anyway. I'm not saying I'm the, the authority, but intuitively it felt like, look, we talk about all the time. Themes are the layer of WordPress that were one point really revolutionary and moved us from raw coding into something, but themes are dead. They've been dead for some time and the page builders really rule. And when we have this, well, you shake your head because we have this debate whether, you know, a block theme is a theme. I don't really think it is. I think the block theme is like, like a, um, a page. No, it's builder. not really that. It's not, it's a little bit more than that. I think for a power user implementer, what you're saying is probably true. I think for a bog standard website up business owner who's looking to get something up having a decent framework i.e a theme is still pretty important that's where we diverge spencer i would say if we consider that we agree on the same thing let me use a different metaphor you have a kitchen with a bunch of drawers in the old days you had one drawer it was your theme drawer and then now there's another drawer that's your page builder drawer and then there's another one which is the block editor drawer and there's another one that's the accessory plugin for your page builder that mixes inside of your plugin thing so there's too many drawers and what i'm saying is i think that this gives some evidence that we can get rid of the theme drawer and maybe there'll be at some point a way to remove the layer of requiring a theme which you now require i mean there has to be a placeholder to hold just the basic functionality of the uh, template hierarchy. If we can move beyond that, and maybe it comes into the core or something, I think it'll simplify for a lot of people what is right now 
where did I leave my pizza cutter? Which drawer is it in? And you're spending all this time looking for the component. And where is it? The page builder, the theme is the block editor. Where is it? If we just make it all one streamlined thing. As far as WooCommerce though, um, you know, my bets are on the WooCommerce because that's the foundation. Uh, I like to call it the transactional engine of every WordPress site. I don't care if you're not even selling anything. Using the feature set of WooCommerce means, and again, with tips off to like Pippin and John, I mean, maybe EDD provides the same thing, especially in your 3.0. But having the functionality of WooCommerce right now allows you to do things that otherwise require at least a dozen other snippets and plugins and so forth. Onboarding, registration, my account area, doing the remembering with JavaScript to somebody filled out a field, introducing marketing automation tags and so forth. People get really surprised when I consult with them that it's so much power in a free plugin. But at the end of the day, that's really where I make my bread and butter is off of start the stack with, for, let's be honest, WooCommerce. And maybe there'll be another one that does the same. And everything else thereafter becomes a piece of cake because you're not starting off with some random plugin. And, and by the way, today was a good example because I'm a little bit perturbed because I try to stay out of social media. But like, there are those who feel that things like another plugin, like a Thrivecart or something, does the same as WooCommerce. And I argue, I'm not here to tell anybody what to use, but objectively and factually, WooCommerce is the number one plugin in the WordPress ecosystem. And it's probably the most, uh, gets the most attention, developer attention. Yeah. In other words, everything connects to it. And for oh, that man. reason alone, it's different than a Thrivecart. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And you know, listening to Matt Medea's interview, Matt Mayerweg, a few weeks ago, um, one of the key points of that interview was how important um, Automatic sees um, WooCommerce as a growth engine for the whole of the WordPress ecosystem. That that was quite clear, wasn't it? So, JJ, what did you think of this article? I mean, it's not surprising. Um I, I agree and disagree with Spencer a little bit, but the, for the most part, I think we're on the same page. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are sort of, they are uh, predicting the death of themes, uh, and, and but I I have a hard time imagining how that would, it was really going to look. I don't I don't think that the um, that the world is going to be ready for a long time for there to be uh, a, a, everything to be block based and for the permalink structure for URL structures to go away for people to forget that they have to theme what a an archive of products looks like versus an account page versus anything else. I think that there's a there's a lot of old web stuff that's in WordPress that's going to take a long time to disappear and uh, and there's uh, the 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 future of a full site editing theme, uh, it introduces a bunch more problems that are yet uh, unsolved. And so there's a there's a long uh, runway where themes are still going to be things and they're going to be the way that we work on WordPress for a while. Uh, there's cutting edge stuff going on there, but um, that people will take advantage of. But I don't I don't see themes going there. Maybe they're maybe they're not as popular. Uh, maybe they're not going up, and they're and the and the, the trend is that they're going downwards. But uh, the WooCommerce one wasn't that surprising to me. What was surprising to me, looking at the the posts that we're talking about, uh, was just was how many results that AMP had. I know that that's like a thing that a lot of people care about, and I yeah, I guess. But like seeing the keywords for AMP plugin is on the on this was. I just it's just a piece of tech that I don't think is that awesome. So yeah, there, <laughs> there also could be some pent up demand, couldn't there? Because there could be a lot of people because of the you know the fundamental changes over the past year with Gutenberg, and it's a constant. People just think, oh, I leave, I won't change themes. I, I see, I leave it a bit longer, and I just see if um, some more how this Gutenberg thing is going. Do, do you think I might have some track right about that or am I totally off No, I think so. I, well, I think the, the, the number of people looking for WordPress and React makes sense. I think uh, WordPress pop-up being as high as it was, I mean, these are all things that like, I, I can imagine that people want and that they're looking for, but the, the search terms and the results are, uh, 
it kind of goes to it, it proves how potentially out of touch I am with with some things and 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 not others because these are things that I yeah, don't look yeah. not a, not at all not a single time in uh-huh. all of last year I didn't search for AMP plugin or WordPress pop up a single time in my life right so <laughs> there were some surprising results uh, on here but you're but Spencer you're you're entirely right and about and look, listening to the Matz's conversation that WooCommerce is like it has secured itself years ago and it has confirmed itself this year as like uh, like the biggest deal in WordPress for the, the foreseeable future. I, you know, I was going to say that, you know, things sneak up on you, right? And, and I don't think we disagree at all other than, you know, some of the organizational things about themes are obviously still way in flux. But with regard to things like AMP, you know, I had an argument with one of my one of my clients, but close friend clients, because I suggested to him that things like AMP are artificially created, almost like mm-hmm. politicians making tariffs. They're there mm-hmm. to interfere with the natural order of things because there was no need for AMP. And it's Correct. proven to be completely bogus. And yet right. they've sold it as both the, the, the panacea to all ills, as well as a, an emergency mandate that if you don't have it, the earth is going to stop turning or something. And it's never proven <laughs> But, right. you know, we, we see a difference in the WordPress ecosystem for one good reason. Um, and this is where, again, I, I, I always think of John um, with his SEO background. But the idea is, if you look at a, a, a platform that has a solution, I know Shopify or, you know, Kartra, Kajabi and so forth, even a CRM, they give you 10 features, you take what you get. And you compare the outcome of what you pay against what they give you. And you say, yeah, it's good, bad, I love it, hate it, but you accept it, right? It's like dating somebody who isn't perfect, like all of us. You go, I love them for all their best things, but I don't think about the bad things. I can't change it. Whereas in WordPress, the problem is, especially with people that don't spend money, they can do anything, anytime to everything that's in the ecosystem, including like a major plugin, like a WordPress and so forth. And so... Whereas AMP is able to jam down your throat. Look, we are the gatekeepers and you use AMP or it's all going to be over. Nobody could get away with that in WordPress and say, if you don't use WooCommerce, everything's going to come to an end. And so what happens is you get six people say WooCommerce is best and two people say this is best. And then, oh, you got to put this thing on top. And we've started to evolve, but like that potluck dinner, everybody bring what they want is now it's starting to you know, kind of streamline it to here's a core set of things that everybody agrees upon. And I think a lot of people agree on WooCommerce is one of them. And I hope over time that'll bleed into the themes and page builders because the end will be a better outcome. If WooCommerce and the stack of stuff was like a ready-to-use offering, like if there was WordPress ready-to-go version, and it was a platform, and I know people are talking about it, but like an established, this is the one to use. I think it would be interesting to see how many people would choose that regardless of who hosted it, versus the everything under the sun. And as long as the allure is there of people being able to change it, it won't work. But if, if somebody had to say, take this or nothing, it would be, it'd be fascinating to see how many people would benefit from that and choose it versus the alternative. All right. So what do you reckon, Vito? To continue on what uh, Spencer just said, um, there are some companies that are trying to do this uh, right now. The WAS model is growing massively, yeah. which is basically the same concept. Uh, uh, but uh, but I don't see any alternative to WooCommerce. So they have like the biggest monopoly in the space when it comes to um, to any plugin category uh, that is out, that is uh, out there. Um, you can't do without. If you want to sell something, what are you gonna do? You really have no other choice. Uh, so uh, um, that coupled with COVID, when a lot of people had to go online to start selling what they were selling uh, uh, through through brick and mortar shops, um, I can definitely see why WooCommerce uh, was growing. And I'm sure you've seen that as well with your plugins. I also have a couple of uh, Woo plugins that were thriving this year compared to previous years. And uh, uh, yeah, so th- that 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 is. Like, uh, that was really expected, that WooCommerce is going to be uh, raining, a, a, you know, like um, on top of everything else. What I found really interesting about this article is uh, WordPress React as uh, as one of the top five uh, searches uh, um, uh, uh, that, uh, that Alex mentioned on this, uh, on this blog post. And if we're looking about, if we're looking uh, uh, into the 
the conversation about the themes, I think that this might be a place for themes to really um, up their game, if you will, you know, creating mm-hmm. those, uh, those React-based themes that are like super, super fast uh, uh, compared to, you know, to the standard stuff that is, that is out there, like the PHP, HTML front-end kind of base. Uh, so um, there could be a rise, you know, uh, like a, a, another another round of themes if that is the trend for people for what people are searching for. Uh, you know, like Gutenberg is powered by React in the back end, but that's not what it turns out eventually on the front end. So uh, mm-hmm. until it does, uh, maybe there is a, there's room there if this is one of the top five. Um, uh, searches in the industry. Another thing that I found really interesting is WordPress CRM uh, because, well, pop-up, fine. Everyone is always looking for the perfect uh, pop-up plugin. Uh, I haven't found one yet. Uh, but uh, but uh, when it comes to having a CRM all built in into WordPress, especially with a database that is like 25, 30 years old, that is really interesting to see that this is the trend that people are going for. Uh, as opposed to taking all of this data offsite, you know, not only not only that it's a concern with this with the infrastructure, but it's also a concern from security point of view. Uh, it's also uh, a concern from uh, from a speed from the UI that is super outdated. You know, when it comes to the backend, so I'm I'm really wondering why that is like number three out of those uh, out of those searches. Uh, and what do people expect to see when they search for this? Let's let's see. I'm gonna search while you continue and see what I get while you WordPress CRM. Right, that's great. Let's go on to story two. <clears throat> Facebook blocks news in Australia over government's payment rules. So, Spencer, would you like to give us a, a brief summary of what this story is about? I mean, essentially. You know, I like Australia and New Zealand for, for their ability to do unique things. Australia, I think it's Australia. You're looking for This is Australia, but I'm saying I, I like I like the fact that they're islands, and so they can do what they want. You know, I mean, they have certain sensibility that mainland countries can't necessarily do. Um, so essentially, what happened was they decided that. Um, Australian users and publishers will not be able, uh, sorry, they, they wanted to make Facebook and the other social media giants pay whenever content from one of their publishers was shared or posted. And uh, apparently Google said yes, and Facebook said no way. And so essentially what happened is Facebook has now removed all content from these publishers. And I'm not really sure, quite frankly, from this article, how it works if somebody shares a link to you know an Australian company, but apparently they have some algorithm in place that at least for the official postings, it's not going to work unless they get paid. And I, I find it fascinating because again, back to the social media construct, there's something wrong in a world where half the people have completely at their throats, you know, disagreements of opinion. And look at the two two tech giants. One says I'll pay, one says I don't. And in the middle is this little island going. Ha-ha, look at what we've done, you know. <laughs> well, oh, it's a continent, actually. <laughs> it's a continent. Uh, um, <clears throat> it's a continent, but, like, given the, the number of people living there, the, the, the volume yeah, of people, yeah. it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of weight for a small number of people. I mean, I don't know what the population is, but it's... It's, the it's about, it's about for, I, I think it's around 39 million. Right, 39 million people. That's, like, this two states in the United States, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think California has 42 million. So, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I've been pernickly there, but it is a consonant that actually we've got to get our facts right. But JJ, what did you reckon? But thank you for that summary, uh, Spencer. What do you I reckon mean, who's, about Who's shocked that Facebook does the, does the dumb wrong thing? <laughs> I just... Uh, I it's just the way they do things, isn't it? You know, it's, that, uh, that's all... That's all I have to say about it. It's as it's subtle, just, it's as subtle as a brick in the face, isn't it? God, <laughs> it just... And that's... Uh, it, uh, when we talk about WordPress and React, that's the one thing that, that I always still can't get over is that React is like a Facebook shepherded project. And like, I just... Uh, nothing good comes from <laughs> Facebook, including... 
including you just did it again dirty right? don't you just uh, yeah. uh, it, 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 it really is a thing that I, I have a hard time accepting and uh, and I, that's all I have to say about it you can't say something nice don't say it at all right so that's I'm gonna that's that's all I've got to say on Facebook I have something nice to say <laughs> so we had, a, we had a conversation I think it was it was here like months ago with Google trying to do the same thing by the, by uh, basically listing most of the article right directly on the search result therefore avoid allowing people to avoid clicking through right so people lost traffic because of uh, that so uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that this is the case here uh, and what Google did back then is that they just stopped it so they didn't uh, they didn't list the entire article on the search results so that they They just gave you a bit of highlights or something like that but you had to go in uh, to the website so that they can the website can gain the traffic can gain the um, uh, you know the attention can gain the cookie uh, and all of the stuff that come along with someone visiting your website uh, but uh, uh, but I think that uh, Facebook are not in the wrong here uh, because Facebook Ooh. is a is a publishing platform that Uh, for um, a, for distrib it's a distribution platform so when you're distributing content you need Facebook you want Facebook this is a way to increase your reach uh, to a larger audience uh, uh, through a platform that already gathered a few billion people for you this is why we're all we are We, we talked about this uh, for one minute before this call this is a huge reason why we're all on Facebook you know we have products and uh, we have communities and uh, we want to engage with our communities over there and eventually drive them back to our websites uh, for uh, for whatever reason right and that was the same when I was doing my music and that's the same now that I have a product that was the same with uh, when I was an agency selling services and Uh, uh, selling uh, Facebook related services to small businesses so they kind of Australia uh, like the authorities of Australia kind of flipped the concept on its head not understanding what Facebook is about it's not a place to publish content and it's not it's not that uh, that they're copying yeah, the blog post over there it's a place where you drop a link get rich and get dra- traffic to And then it's up to the uh, to those publications to do whatever they need to do with this traffic like when yeah, I, like, I, I think uh, I, on reflection I, I think you're spot on there Vito it shows a lack of fun you know actually compared to the Google yes Google you know to some degree have built their business on nicking other people's content really right. they? that's not cool. um, but Facebook's model for once I um, I think you're probably right Facebook um, so it's really surprising how they reacted uh, um, it's the way they reacted um, because I, I think slow, they believe they are right you know they believe they are right and I think they're right if you really think about it from uh, like what is the use case of uh, of each one of those uh, platforms though the the publishers and the promoters Facebook is the promoter part of this thing uh, so uh, they just said all right you don't want our traffic no problem you don't get your our traffic a lot you know users are outraged by it and that I get because it affects the end of, the end user at the end of the day you wanting to share information and wanting to share uh, news with their friends and uh, their their circles uh, but uh, the publishers need to back down not Facebook I think yeah, yeah. didn't uh, Facebook like didn't they block like a bunch of stuff like news and weather and sports and like stuff that's like just regular people things that like you they just blanket band a bunch of stuff too like uh, so well, there are some things this, that like yeah. Is it clear how they're going to ban the stuff that's shared by a private person? I mean, are they going to be able to yeah. block a, a link to whatever what in happens. Australia? We try to share a link when you're in Australia. Uh, it just gives you a notice that you can't. And even if you're using like uh, all kinds of uh, virtual, uh, uh, you know, you can't, you know, they kind of... Well, I can say, well, like, say that unavailable uh, kind of thing. All I can yeah. say to wrap it up, Vito, all I can say, Vito, to wrap it up is I, I do think you, you really got a point there, but I really would advise Facebook. I, know, I don't know if you know any Australians living in, because when I was living in London, I knew a lot of Australians. 
They're choosing the wrong crowd to piss off, basically. (laughs) Uh, I know Australia is. But but it's not a. It's like the end user just got caught in the middle. The 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 battle here is between uh, two giants, you know, Facebook and and uh, traditional media. That this is the battle, you know. Yeah, I think we're going to go for a break. We're coming back. We've got some other great stories. Be back in a few moments, folks. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10-30% to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry, we've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of LaunchFlows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try LaunchFlows today. We're coming back. And we've had a good discussion, a small panel, but a powerful panel. I've enjoyed the discussion so far. Um, Before we go on to the other stories, I want to tell you about a webinar me and Spencer Forum are doing on the 12th of March at 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. It's going to be all about marketing optimization with an emphasis on learning management systems. If If you've got a membership site or you're making a membership site for a client, you need to understand the new way of using some fundamental free tools or inexpensive tools to totally automate some of the processes when it comes to a membership website. And we're going to be talking about all the leading tools. Spencer's going to be opening the cupboard, getting them the, the um um, food stuffs out, and we're going to be we're going to be making a delicious automation dish right in front of you. And the main reason you want to join us because you'll be able to ask Spencer some questions and myself. So, how do you join? Well, you just go to the WP Tonic website. Right in the top navigation, there's a button that says webinar, and then you just sign up, and you'll be able to join us for this fabulous free webinar. Please do. So on to the next story. Um, I think I'm going to change the order, actually. I'm going to go for story five because we got Vito with us. So I'm going to make a... I'm sorry, Vito. I'm going to butcher the renaming here. Um, W3 uh, Feedback. Atramament moves to a full... It's a SaaS model. I'm sorry, how do you pronounce it, Vito? I apologize. So, first of all, uh, like I pronounce it some way, Atarim means websites in Hebrew, yeah. which is my native language. And that is what I uh, was going for. But I don't want to force the pronunciation uh, because um, no one, like in, in the English language, there is no emphasis on the end of the word. So Atarim doesn't exist in English. Uh, so probably people, I already hear people calling it Atarim, Atarim, and uh, eventually it's going to balance somewhere. And I'm cool with that, you know, as long as people say the name, I'm good. Right. You know, the, so, the Wisconsin person in me wants to say Atarim. Yeah, like that's just cool. a very, I was tempted, but I knew that was Adarim. Same with I me. was very tempted, JJR, but I knew that was incorrect. So I didn't know yeah, what me, to do. Me too. Really. All right. Um, 
So, well, you, you know, you're the CEO. Why the rebranding and why have you moved to a SaaS model? So we were basically a SaaS company for since um, the end of 2019. We launched the product at, in uh, mid-19. And by October, we were already uh, a SaaS product by launching our SaaS-based, uh, our cloud-based uh, dashboard uh, that allowed people to use um, multiple plugins on multiple, like the plugin installed on multiple websites and all bundled into the centralized dashboard. This transition has kind of solidified that uh, because people were considering us a plugin throughout the whole thing and, and as well as considering us a feedback tool. So we started as a standalone plugin for WordPress the, uh, for feedback, therefore WP feedback. Uh, but uh, uh, really quickly, we realized that um, we can do a whole lot more to help our users and to help the industry. And uh, the product just kept expanding and expanding way beyond that with product management features, time tracking, uh, you know, uh, logins, kind of uh, redundancies, uh, uh, um, uh, image optimizations, all kinds of stuff that are, has nothing to do with team management and uh, internal communications, all of those kind of stuff. And it went way beyond uh, just being like um, stickers on a website as, uh, as we started, as version 1.0 was. Uh, but the name implied to everyone that it was still like that. Uh, and so uh, we were being compared to products that, like, in my opinion, like, uh, you know, products that are just stayed there um, while we kind of moved on. And I wanted to be uh, considered in the same breath with uh, Zendesk, with uh, Asana, with Trello, uh, with, um, uh, you know, Basecamp? with Basecamp, you know, those kind of uh, those kind of tools. Uh, uh, instead of being considered as a, you know, as an add-on, essentially. Uh, and also, the, the cost of running a SaaS is completely different. So if you're considered a plugin, but you're paying the price of being a SaaS, uh, then the model really it doesn't, um, it doesn't look well uh, for, for the future. So we had to kind of make a transition that was so clear-cut that would allow me to come on shows like this and tell the story and, and, uh, uh, you know, kind of change the way that people perceive the product, um, even though it was really a SaaS for uh, more than a year now. Oh, there you go. What do you reckon, Spencer? Um, you know, uh, I think it's an interesting thing because a lot of plugins in the space have tried to do sort of a SaaS type of model. But the nature of what I see you know, Vito's product do probably works better as a SaaS anyway, because the thing yeah. is, um, there's this is nothing to do with this specific thing, but there's an own axiom. It's better to have like a very, very niche market and a very specific solution for it than to try to like please everybody with everything. And not everyone needs his plugin, but I think from the evidence I've seen, it was a good move just because you're able to better serve the needs of the people who need that type of a service. And the other part, which you just alluded to, and I agree, is that if you have no product and you're a consultant, you're looked at it one way. If you're a consultant with a product that's a plugin, you're looked at it another way. If your product, I'm sorry, if you're a consultant that has a product and a SaaS service, you're looked at in a more, even more positive way, differently. So I think if nothing else, it gives you guys that credibility as well as the uh, capability to move our. On the other hand, you know, you definitely have the burden now of the overhead and so forth of running something that isn't just like do do a download of the zip and good luck to you, you know. I, I agree. But I, I I don't shy away from that responsibility. We haven't from the beginning because I think that this is um the right thing for the user. And this is what's kind of led me to that decision. And so uh, as a, the plugin was this designed as a tool for us, for my own agency. You know, uh, we just installed it on websites and, uh, a, and it worked great. And so that's what we brought to the market. Uh, but, uh, but really, when you think about this, and like when we were released, when we were kind of rolling this out and people were leaving like 30, 50, 100 comments or casts on a website, fine, the website can take it. But now two years in, some websites have 2,000, 3,000 tasks uh, every task has five comments, and you can imagine what that does to a database. Uh, uh, yeah, right. exactly. 
so now everything is done through APIs. Everything is offloaded to uh, to a place that can actually handle that. We build the whole thing with uh, Laravel and React. We're talking about React before. Uh, and uh, the plugin is still there because it allows us to integrate into the WordPress website in a much deeper level than just throwing in a script. Uh, but, uh, but we even changed the name of the plugin to the client interface plugin, and we changed the name of the dashboard to the agency dashboard to allow our users to really understand the differentiation that the client needs to work on the website. That's what they paid for. That's what they bought. That's what they need to uh, uh, face. That's what they need to um, get used to using because a lot of us as an industry, uh, a, a lot of times take the, take the client away from what they paid for. Uh, while the agency should not be logging into every single website in the morning when, you're, when you have 30, 40, yeah. 50, 200 websites, you have to have a centralized environment that will allow you to kind of jump in, jump out, jump in, jump out, you know. That's the that's the mindset. Yeah. So, what do you reckon, JJ? I think that it this is like the a really good example of the type of WordPress plugin that like needed to evolve into being a SaaS. Like, I think this the yeah. the separation, like you said, Vito, like it it is a natural type of separation and that that feels correct, like. Uh, if everything lived inside of WP Admin, you end up with an audience of people that don't necessarily need to be logging into a WordPress dashboard all day, every day, right? Like having them have a dedicated interface and a place to go to do that kind of work is just a better experience for them. And so like it, it and I think that it's it's smart to, to learn that early and then see that early and then pivot real quick. Because you could easily be stuck uh, working inside of WP Admin for, for the foreseeable future and continue to go down the wrong path and uh, and and end up uh, in a completely different, potentially like unsuccessful business model uh, because you've you know made decisions early on or commitments early on that you you stuck to. So uh, good for you guys for for making that. Yeah, change right I, away, I, I think. think- I'll be re-looking at it myself, actually. Um, but I think you've made a really smart move here and the right move. Um, and you. I think it bodes well for you in the um, the company's future. I know doing something like this isn't easy, but no. um, <laughs> um, but I think I, I think in the long term it will pay uh, big dividends. So. On to story four, and I'm having some problems with pronouncing my pronunciation. I apologise, listeners <laughs> and viewers. How do you pronounce this, Spencer? Egularity? Edgenuity? Edgenuity. Software. This is a very badly named company. <laughs> Software. Wasn't by the way, like as, an, as a side note, because it's interesting, uh, and to, to Vito's comment about Atarim, all right. So there's a lot of famous cases in American uh, marketing where products were chosen without reference to their, you know, geographic sales market, like the Nova, you know, the Nova in, in Chevrolet. Uh, Nova means doesn't go, doesn't run. And when they tried to sell it in Mexico, that went over like, a, you know, a Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so also when it comes to the name and the pronunciation, it should be easy to say, easy to spell easy to understand when somebody says it to you or when you read it. And in this case, edgenuity could be the worst possible combination of of words ever. Atarim is fine, but what I would say, not that you need my advice, do one of those things after your name with like the ellipses and like phonetically, atarim, like E-E-M. So I don't want to force it really because it's not, like you're saying, if I'm going to try and uh, and I made that mistake with WP feedback, and my my like some some of my days were like just sending out me emails telling people you have to capitalize the B on feedback. Capitalize the B. Cap- you you need to capitalize the B. Yeah, just capitalize the B. Well, yeah. here's a test. <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys two company names. Tell me the company that connects things that are SaaS companies starts with a Z. Z A P I E R. Oh. How do you guys say it? That's Zapier. Z- How do Zapier. You say it, I would say Zapier. Yeah. Zapier. Is it Zapier or Zapier? I think it's supposed to be Zapier because they say zaps. I don't Zap, think you yeah. say zapes. Zaps. Right? Yeah. 
don't but, know why like, I say daycare. Yeah, I think but, somebody uh, said, once said that their their original their, like Zapier makes you happier. Well, yeah. this kind of struck me. I don't know if Spencer's trying to indicate that the story. But I thought the story was pretty So, could you recap for for the listeners and viewers, Spencer? I'm just checking you've done your homework. See, uh, um, what this? Uh, it's a long article, so it, it, I don't expect it, you. But um, I thought it was quite interesting. What did you get from it, Spencer? I mean, it's very simple. School districts are in chaos with the pandemic. I have three school-age kids. One's in college, two are in regular school. One's in high school, one's in grammar school. And uh, the one in grammar school in particular, they gave us the option of like remote learning or uh, some hybrid thing. And the bottom line was that for those in remote learning, they actually do, thankfully, our school districts have the teachers with smaller groups of kids on Zoom. These school districts, not having the budget or the time or the technology or whatever, were like, hey, let's find some cool software. And it essentially, it lets these younger kids watch eight hours of video and then have to take tests without any human intervention. The problem, besides the fact that the kids are just watching mindless videos that my high schooler sometimes has to do too, is that then it's giving grades that are not correct based upon the responses of the kids. And so some kid who's diligently watching the zombie teacher for eight hours then gets a zero on the exam that they knew all the right <laughs> And, poor, and poor the parents, poor the parents shit their pants because this is ridiculous. And here's the problem. The educators that run the school districts, and I speak from personal experience, very smart people in their own right, in their own fields, know zero about what's going on with the software. It was a Band-Aid in an emergency. So there's no accountability because the software makers aren't going to go, yeah, our software, you know, is broken. And there's there's no, like, it's kind of like trying to get, you know, the Gutenberg interface fixed. It's like, scream it forever, and maybe in a couple decades something will change. But in the meantime, nobody's doing anything to fix mm-hmm. it. And the school districts mm-hmm. are stuck with their budgetary commitment. So kids yeah. suffer. So what do you reckon, JJ? You reckon I mean, in, a, in, in a lot of ways, this type of problem was inevitable, right? Like all of the perfect storm of the tech that we're working towards, plus the state of the world that we're in was like some company like this was going to emerge and they were going to do it wrong with AI. And then they were kids were going to suffer as a result. And like school districts were going to have egg on their face for like scrambling and like trying to make the right decision, like trying to find a way to like keep parents happy, keep kids happy. Like uh, this, this story was going to happen. Uh, And I think that it's really sad that it did like uh, we're, we're in the process locally in our village of going through a referendum because of some, uh, some state funding formulas and and things that uh, the state of Wisconsin is, has decided uh, decades ago. And so uh, school referendums are a, a way of life for our small school district. And we continue to reinvest and invest over and over again every 5, 10, 20 years uh, in order to keep our public schools uh, afloat and keep real teachers in the rooms and keep school lunch programs uh, running and going well and paying off the lunch debt. What a dumb thing. Like there's just so much stuff uh, that, uh, our public schools uh, get stuck with and get kind of get the get the raw deal of and uh, and you know you, you think that the people at a company like Edgenuity were trying to do the right thing they were they they thought that they were onto something they were they were probably smart people and they felt really good about the problems they were solving and then come to find out that uh, at scale for this kind of thing it uh, completely woefully, yeah. embarrassingly inadequate, right? Like so. Yeah, I was but. in. I was in really two minds to actually have this story because I think it's quite regrettable. But we must understand. I actually think a much more hybrid model of education is is the future, or just like work, where I do feel that you do like in work, you do need events or maybe one day a week, whatever the culture of the company um, or retreats, you do need to get everybody together to build kind of company culture. But the idea that you need to have to go into our office for a lot of work um, 
nine to five and have to commute every day um, is, I consider, unless it's like a, like in the medical industry to some, but even that, you're having a lot of companies now um, where you can um, see a doctor, but it's 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 remote. Um, even that area um, has been touched by technology. But the idea that you have to go in five days a week in into office and spend uh, over an hour of your life, two hours a day plus commuting, uh, is ridiculous, isn't it? Um, and I think the same thing should apply to education. The idea... Um, that a child has to go in um, into school and every day of the week, um, you know, um, it's obvious to me that um, technology is going to be involved in teaching children to a much higher level and artificial intelligence is going to be part of that. Um, so it's a bit... But it's just early days. Do, what do you reckon, Vito? Am I just waffling or did I pick up some key points here? Um, yeah, like what was interesting here is the just how the student was calling, uh, was saying, uh, my teacher, my a robot is my teacher, right? Uh, so um, that, that, that is not how it's supposed to be, I think. So like instead of... Um, during the worst time in recent history to make a transition, they went too far, right? So, uh, like, uh, instead of trying to create human interaction within a world that lacks human interaction because everyone is uh, working remote, they just wanted the whole shebang. You know, they just w- went like to the to the other extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having a teacher at all, so you can't ask questions. You can get feedback on what the what you were discussing and so on. So, um, yeah, um, I'm sure the guy, the you know, the app developers are uh, after after this came out on on NBC here, or I'm sure <laughs> other places, they're uh, working uh, extra hours to fix that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and and it will be fine eventually. But uh, the schools that made that decision, I think that is the kind of um, that that was just a, a weird decision to make. Like. Uh, when when I I know that this demographic of people that in most of their lives they're standing in front of kids, you know, that's and, and they look at, at pieces of paper in most of their day, then to take them into the world of AI and expect it all to go without a hitch, that's that was just crazy. Oh yeah. I thought it was great insights. Thanks for that. Um, so what's we doing the time? Um, yeah, let's, let's quickly go with a uh, last last story, probably. Um, WordPress contributors discuss scaling back releases to four major releases is not a viable plan for 2021. I had to laugh when I read this, JJ, because this is oscillating. <laughs> this has been one of those things. If you've been involved in the WordPress community any substantial time, this, this question of releases and how releases should be managed has been an ongoing debate, and it like every few years it just changes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked your... to Josefa about this a little bit uh, just the other day, actually, because we hadn't we hadn't chatted in a while. So, uh, so I, the the tavern comments or highlights uh, Ryan McHugh's uh, response, I think, the most, and. I've known Ryan for a long time. We generally are pretty like-minded. And so I think his his point about predictability really is is the only is the most important part of uh, of setting expectations about the number of WordPress releases that there are. Like if if we're going to try to set an expectation, then the, the people do plan around that, especially with WordPress and as as large as it is, and for as many people in the economy behind it, as many people that work with it and on it uh, that do know that uh, if the expectation has been set that the I think at that point now it is a social problem it is a people problem to try and scale the tasks back uh, it to fit the to fit the schedule than it is to try and adapt the schedule to fit the uh, the, the engineering problems that there are at hand uh, and you're right that the schedule over the course of years is 
two releases, three releases, four releases, one release a year. Uh, there, there, there was one one year where no releases happened way back in the early days. Uh, it is is gone all over the place. But when you set the expectation early on that this is what's going to happen, that uh, not that it shouldn't be changeable or shouldn't be adaptable, or that we all should figure it out. We're all we're we're all uh, smart and uh, flexible, so we can do it right. But uh, I think it's uh, it is a complex problem because it it it, it starts to the, intersect with the contributors that WordPress core has, the committers that WordPress core has, the amount of energy and focus that could go into iterating and, and working on WordPress itself. And it is a people problem of them getting burned out and working too hard, working too many hours, too much pressure on them to uh, commit, I mean, no pun intended, to uh, to working on an open source project. And so uh, it there, there's a lot of variables, and but it is a bummer to have to backpedal and force everyone around the sort of the the blast radius of a change like this to have to get out of the way and rearrange their lives to to figure out what the release schedule may or may not be for them. We do we plan around it at at Sandhills for releases for our software because we know that there are changes that are going to happen in the WordPress dashboard or APIs and things we're going to have to deprecate. And we keep an eye on that, and so. If we if all of a sudden that we something we were planning for June of 2021 isn't happening in June of 2021, we have to rearrange things, and that means we spend time, we spend a day replanning or two or or a week trying to figure out how to reallocate stuff. And like we're not the only ones; there's a lot of people that do that. So, but at the same time, I completely understand and have nothing but empathy for overworked people working for free-ish on uh, open source software. Yeah, I think, like, I think you, you know, unfortunately, because it's the end story, but we'll be touching, I'm sure we'll be touching this again. I think that you just highlight a key problem here of your last sentence, your last statement, having people, you know, that, yeah. Um, so what do you reckon, Vito? I, I would agree with you, JJ, about uh, you know people working on an open source project on the, the downtime or the like extra hours and what and uh, and whatnot. Uh, um, I think things can be bundled up instead of doing these four releases. It'd be fine. It'd be two releases, but not compromising on the advances. Um, my real concern, or the way I the way I'm looking at it, and this is kind of. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm just looking at it like someone is always chasing you, right? Because uh, there's other platforms that are other WordPress is still growing, but other platforms are always chasing uh, uh, and uh, trying to be better, have more features, have more stuff out there. And so uh, it is the responsibility of the software, of the platform to keep evolving with technology, with the world that, uh, and respond to the to the market, right? Everything that, that changes around us. Uh, so um, slowing things down in a time like this, I don't think that's a that's a good idea for any product. Uh, but uh, but but like I also uh, again I understand mm -hmm. that challenge. You know that uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know. So I, I doing the doing word camps in 2019. I was. Uh, I was investing those extra days to do the to contribute whatever I can, uh, but not always you want to. It's you know it's mm -hmm. like uh, it's just Sunday, and sometimes you just want to have a drink with some friends uh, in the lobby instead of uh, sitting yeah. down and uh, coding. So guilty um, is charged. That was that's me often most of the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so the thing that they, that. That wasn't mentioned in this article that I want to highlight before the show is over because we start to run out of time a little bit is like that the this is this is like a growing trend that doesn't that isn't going to reverse itself like we've WordPress as a project and the software projects that we take on and Vito maybe you can speak to this but having done some Laravel projects and React stuff is like the the code that we have to write isn't as easy as it was to write five or ten years ago. And onboarding contributors onto these projects is not as easy as it was years ago. It's you cannot just step in and write a patch and have everyone go like, "Cool, thanks." Like we're we'll totally make sure that this goes in. Like unit tests and code formatting and file names and function names and class names all have standards that need to be listened to and adhered to. It is just a more complicated project now. And so 
it will not move faster. It will continue to move slower, which means we have to try to to have smaller incremental releases. We have to iterate more quickly and commit to four releases. And then we have to we have to scope those releases better because it's it's not going to get easier to bring on new bodies. New new people are just going to have it's going to take longer and it's going to be a, a harder and harder time until we can intentionally make all these things smaller. Uh, it's just it's it, we go ahead. So I think that actually trying to bundle this up, and I agree with what you're saying that it takes time to get into the code. When you're doing contributor day, you can see that and then it takes like the three first hours is just talking about it, right? You don't do it. Right. Uh, and then you have two hours <laughs> left. Right. <laughs> so um uh, it's, and then it's and then, then it's over for another few months until you go to the next WordCamp. Most people didn't go to this the 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 same amount of WordCamps that I was going as a product maker. Uh, so they would contribute once a year and then take four hours to get acquainted. And then you only have one hour to do stuff. And so, um, so I think that uh, uh, taking a, maybe a, a, a different approach, more of a hackathon kind of approach, creating events that can uh, that can bring together 100, 200, 5,000 developers uh, for a single weekend can push the product like crazy. You know, stuff that people have tried to do for for over two years can be accomplished over a weekend. If you're if you're bundling up resources, do those three hours in one go to all of those five thousand people, and then just just run with it, you know. Uh, yeah. So maybe the model needs to change uh, uh, around the way that uh, contribution is uh, is done uh, to keep up with uh, with the speed of iteration that is happening around WordPress. You were mentioning Laravel, but not only that. You know, you can have CMSs uh, like a. Uh, 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 you know, um, um, like uh, uh, profit-driven CMSs like Webflows and, uh, you know, Shopify and stuff like that, where there are developers that are not doing one hour every six months. They do eight hours every single day, you know. Uh, so yep. something really uh, uh, maybe in the way that that it's... No, well, that's a great insight. I've, you don't mind if I, uh, Spencer, go into the recommendations, do you? So, all right. Thanks for that. So I'm going to go into the recommendations of the week. Um, this one is called Ultimate Template Cloud for WordPress. It, it's uh, it comes from a development house that's done a lot of um, Alimator add-ons, and they've got this cloud system where you can add um, templates and you can add your own library and then distribute them to clients websites um i'm really it's a pretty new product but i i think because of the development house behind it i i think um i'll be looking more into this particular product so jj or let's go for spencer spencer um have you got anything you want to share with the listeners and viewers that's come on your radar this week yeah, I had a couple of conversations about this. It's an interesting twist on the WooCommerce situation. Um, this company is called Fast.co. Um, I also want to comment on the fact that <laughs> A, easy to say, easy to spell, easy to remember, but it's .co, not .com, because if you go to .com, you get something else. So my fourth rule is if you're going to invest a ton of money like these people have, Maybe try to lock down that .com thing first because these guys are going to have a whole world of pain on their hands if people go to the wrong place. Nevertheless, what it does is it's conceptually a prosumer thing that chicken and the egg problem is giving people a universal app that would allow them to instantly, immediately from their phone, buy stuff from various WooCommerce merchants and so forth by way of the interface that it has. And so, in other words, instead of going to the individual merchant shop and checkout experience and everything else, the merchant has to participate, but they can offer a product or something for sale that can be bought with fast. And because the person has their phone, oh, click buy. And nothing else has to happen because all their stuff is stored with fast. So it's allegedly secure and fast and da, da, da. Now, I have mixed emotions about this because chicken and the egg, this is really at the end of the day, not that much different than those virtual credit cards or from even having a debit card. 
What is unique is the assumption that they're going to throw a, a crap ton of money to get people as the you know consumers to install this on their phone. And only then will it be worth it, presumably, to all the merchants to add it to their checkout experience. And if they can achieve that level of ubiquitousness, then I can see it being useful. But, you know, like there's examples of this, like Slack, maybe, or, you know, kids using um, whatever the, the latest app of the day is for, you know, instant chatting. But it's not always the case that it happens. So this will be an interesting thing to watch. One last comment is that because I'm in the space of WooCommerce checkouts and sales funnels, 99% of what this offers as a benefit can be done right now just using WooCommerce, Elementor, and launch flows. But you just have to do it on your own site as a merchant. You know, adding the credit card is not that big of a deal because almost everybody already has autofill on their phone anyway. So, yeah. you know. Well, put all your suggestions into chat. That really helps. JJ, have you got anything that you want to recommend? Uh, I've got two quick things. One was uh, an open source project that uh, I forget where I got it linked to, if it came from uh, Twitter or Reddit, but uh, it was an open source project from NASA, since we're just watching uh, the Mars rover do its thing yesterday. Uh, they have an open source repo called F Prime that uh, has been around for a while, but uh, that I just learned about that is a flight proven multi platform open source flight software framework. So if you want to see how NASA flies things to space, they've got some open source code that lets you uh, read some C++ and, and, and figure out how they do it. And then uh, since we talked about AI earlier, specifically with Edgenuity, uh, uh, sort of longtime WordPress uh, Twitter friend, uh, Nick Duncan, uh, who has uh, a bunch of stuff out there, uh, had, had built something called contentbot.io. That was a... a something to uh, automatically generate uh, like blog topics or product topics or things that has a has a way to, to tap into some AI and give you uh, inspiration where maybe you, you're having trouble finding it on your own. So you have to punch in some keywords and uh, and it will it'll generate some stuff for you specifically for uh, kind of in a WordPress context for blog What's posts the and of products. Content bot. Contentbot.ai. I said it wrong, didn't oh, I? AI. AI. Yeah, I think AI. I said .io. Um, Contentbot.ai. And, and by the way, that's a trend because last week we were talking, um, I came across a couple other ones that if you're, let's say, needing marketing advice and you don't want to hire a copywriter, things like WriteSonic and mm. uh, Kiwi.co. There's like a whole wrath of companies now where it's like the old kids game, Mad Libs. So give me... Give me a name, a topic. It is like that. And it goes, doo -doo 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 -doo, and it spits out yep. really good stuff as a starting point. You know, kind of scary. Can you make sure those links are in chat for us? That would really help. Do you guys um, remember the ultimate business jargon generator from way back I do remember that. Flash days? You, I do you remember like, that. During the venture capital days, you would say, oh, I'm going to create a company that's going to be a multi-million dollar company. It'd be like, Okay, give me like three three words to describe your company, and then it would spit out this paragraph that describes we're a multi-dimensional corporate entity that's solving the multitude of blah blah blah. And it's my favorite one was uh, somebody, somebody, somebody did a like a clubhouse profile generator that was like like I don't know that that's the most recent one of those I saw. You guys clubhouse, on clubhouse? clubhouse profile generator? Uh, I I mean I'm. I'm, I yeah, I have it. an account, but I'm not. Yeah. yeah, I tried it once, and it was interesting. While I was working out, I was listening to some of the bigger marketing guys, and it's it's like being on a party line phone call. But I wonder, I mean, it's interesting, but I wonder how much sustainable value you get out of it, other than you know, like just hanging out with your friends. I don't know; it's hard to say. Entertaining, sure. Right. But, yeah. All right, Vito. Uh, um, have you got anything you want to share with the listeners and viewers? Yeah. A new product, uh, um, a very interesting product actually by uh, Joshua Daly and uh, his friend. Joshua who used to be uh, part of WPMU Dev. Uh, and he went on his own to create a product called Infinite Uploads. What it does, it basically offloads all of your media folder over to the cloud to be hosted securely in S3 buckets and then served back to CDN. Um, basically, you're saving a lot of. Um, you, 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 there is no there is no storage needed on the WordPress website, 
uh, and um, delivering the files is much faster uh, from uh, on the front end. Uh, everything is much more secure. Really cool idea. Um, so mm. I share the link, Infinite Uploads. Well, thanks so much. And uh, listeners and viewers, all the links to all the... Um, that the um, panelists are recommending um, you'll find in the show notes of this episode. So go to the WP Tonic website and you'll be able to get the links for everything just mentioned. Um, so, panel, so JJ, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and your wizardry? Uh, at Twitter, uh, probably JJJ, uh, blog or uh, at JJJ on Twitter. So, Vito, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and a, your fantastic new product? Uh, you can find Atarim on atarim.io uh, or uh, find me on Vito Peleg on uh, Twitter. And Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, launchflows.com or you can go over to wpfusion.com and click the get a free call if you have questions about marketing automation, WooCommerce, uh, membership sites and so forth. Oh, thanks panel. And listeners and viewers, if you want um, great videos, great training videos about marketing automation or a, a load of stuff, go to the YouTube, the WP Tonic YouTube channel, all the shows plus additional videos. I'm publishing a lot of new content recently. Join us on that channel and um, subscribe to it. That really would help the show as well. We'll see you next week when we have another great panel and another great show. See you soon, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 